Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Jason Wishingrad and David Selman from The Stand coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's an expert on food, wine, and good times. We follow her on Instagram at Swanky Maven. Felice Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, 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 hey. I am good. I am like getting ready to tap into fall, going into fall, getting out of this hot ass summer, getting ready to tap into the good time, Felice. Okay. That's what I'm looking forward to. I am glad to hear it. Yes. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. Ronnie Killen announced that he has claimed the Burrow and Bowl location in Cyprus for a new outpost of Killen's Barbecue, his signature barbecue restaurant. Ronnie said he will serve barbecue during the day, just like the Killen's Barbecue locations in Pearland and the Woodlands. But at night, he's going to take advantage of some of the features of this specific building and do something a little more elevated more like Killen's STQ, which is his live fire steakhouse in Briar Grove. Felice, let me throw it to you. I mean, what are your thoughts about Killen's barbecue overall? I know, you know, it was well represented in our barbecue draft episode from a couple of months ago. But but just tell me your thoughts. How do you where do you kind of see it fitting in in the in the mix of barbecue options in Houston? Okay, so I won't confuse people real quick. I'm going to do a sidebar real quick on this. So, and I always say Katie's my hood. That's my hood. I grew up in Katie. You know, my mom's in Katie. But my hood, hood, I, my home is in Cyprus, okay? So I'm going to throw that out there. I am super excited for Cyprus, okay? I'm super excited. Not that I'm in um, Ronnie's bank account and counting his pockets. But if I were, the man getting ready to do the damn thing with that location, okay? Let me just say that. There is nothing he, Cypress needs good barbecue. Cypress needs a great restaurant. Like, there's good restaurants out there, but like, to get um, uh, killings out there, and you got the Cypress, you're pulling from everyone coming up to 90 you know, all that back there and surrounding Northwest. So it is a smart business move. The location is gorgeous. Before Ronnie even does his Ronnie thing, because I know that you're going to put his whole stake on it, and I'm just like going to be, how can this get any prettier? Because it's amazing. And now I'm going to back into the barbecue. The barbecue... <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> so, as you said, we represented it very well on the draft. So, um, yes, win for the barbecue. Um, the elevated experience. So, if someone's like, yeah, I'm not into barbecue, blah, 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 blah. I don't know these people. But there are people, right? Um, to get into that other aspect of, hey, I have somewhere nice to go. And I can stay in Cyprus and get like what they call the city experience type restaurant. So, Eric, I know you didn't ask me all that. I know you didn't, but I had to do my due diligence for the Cyprus and Northwest Houston people. It's a win, win, win for me. Okay. Back well, to you. I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> ask you what you thought about it for Cyprus. You just beat me to the punch. <laughs> so you anticipated my second question. <laughs> Let me let me just build on a couple of the things you said. First of all, you know, I think whatever, you know, you may have thought of, of Burrow and Bull, and, and I actually had a I had a good meal there. Uh the one time I, I went out there to visit, you know, Killen's Barbecue obviously has has a pretty great reputation, you know, back to back appearances on the Texas Monthly uh list of the fifty best barbecue joints in the state. That's really hard to do. Uh a lot of the places didn't hold on if they were on in uh, 2017, they didn't show up again in 2021. So, so that's a good sign. And, you know, Ronnie has already successfully replicated this, right? He opened in the woodlands last year and judging by the, the Facebook foodie groups that are targeted to the woodlands, 
it's going really well. So I, I take that as a good sign. Of course, he just hired uh, Willow Villarreal, formerly of JBRM, uh, to help him, you know, kind of tweak things, kind of keep him relevant, keep him in the conversation. So I think I think that's a good sign. And I'll say I had a meal at uh, Killen's STQ earlier this year in the spring that was just outstanding. And I know it's a little bit tucked away in Briar Grove. It's a smaller place. It maybe doesn't get a lot of attention. But, you know, when, when we go to steakhouses sometimes, it doesn't always occur that the restaurant, if you order a steak, medium rare or medium or whatever, you know, sometimes they don't they don't cook it quite to the, like their definition of what that temperature is and my expectation for what that temperature is don't always match up. Correct. Don't just EQ. The steak was cooked spot on. They've got that fantastic chicken fried steak. The the pork belly bites have become mm-hmm. uh, a signature item for Ronnie. And it's just it's just comfortable, right? They've got the yeah. nice linens, the fancy wine glasses, good cocktails. So he's going to bring all of that with him. And I think you're right that there, you know, I, I understand that there are restaurants that serve steaks in Cyprus. There, there may even be a a steakhouse or two, but, but not at this level, you know, not, not at, at the that, level. Like, yeah. Not at that, like Killens, Pappas brothers, Vic and Anthony kind of level. Mm-hmm. A- and so I think people are really going to enjoy this because I know how excited they were when Berwin bull opened, right. My friends who live out there. A- and so I think, I think they're going to be even more excited to have Ronnie Killen in their neighborhood. Oh, people are already talking about it. And I'm going to jump on something that you said that a lot of people miss when they're, as much as I talk crap about, oh, being inside the loop, you know, like everyone has to be inside the loop. One of the things that the restaurants um, inside the loop understand, because there's so much competition, that um, I have to be on my game, right? Like, if I'm not on my game, I can lose this amount of people. Some people get it and do it well. Some people, you know, they struggle with that. That's going to elevate businesses out there. So for a consumer standpoint, they're going to have to compete with that. Because to your point, where when you went in that stake, here's my expectations for medium rare, and their expectations for medium rare are different. Killing medium rare is going to be they're going to meet your expectation because it's going to be medium rare, right? Like at that level. And that's, that's what I expect when I'm spending X amount of dollars. I don't want to be pulling up on my phone, showing you, fighting with you about the definition of what's medium rare. Like, you know, so um, I'm just excited about that. I'm ex- excited about the elevated expectations that people can have and the elevated experience that they will receive. Right. I, I, I think that's well said, right? Good enough for Cyprus isn't gonna isn't gonna fly if you're going head to head with Ronnie Kelly. Correct. And I'll say this is all expected to happen pretty quickly because like you said, Berwin Bull was a really nice looking restaurant. It doesn't need a lot of work. It needs, you know, basically it just needs a cafeteria style serving line uh to work for barbecue, and then he's got He's got some uh, pits, barbecue pits he wants to install and permitting, signage, liquor license, all that stuff. But but he's talking about, you know, early October. This should be up and firing. So it's it's not going to be long. I'm excited. I'll be out there. I'll be on the front lines um, reporting back for Culture Map. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will. We will definitely go when it opens. All right. Topic number two. Finn Hall, the downtown food hall, announced that they are bringing in four new restaurants, including the return of Kraft Burger plus Pecking Order, a chicken concept that's also from Kraft Burger owner Chef Shannon Toon. The two others are called Maui Bento Box, which is a Hawaiian concept, and Cranky Carrot Juice Company. Felice, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you. I know you're a Shannon Toon fan. I know you've been to Kraft Burger many times. I know you've had Chef Shannon's chicken. So just tell the people about what you like about uh, what Chef Shannon does. You know, he, their whole team, they just visionaries with this. Like, you know, people think, I mean, it's chicken, right? It's burgers. But to talk about this pecking order, let me just give you a little background. I talked to Shannon probably 
five years ago, right? I, I remember sitting in the car. He was talking. We were talking about Kraft Burgers, and he laid out this plan. Um, he gave me Peck and Order's name. I'm like, okay, what a great name. And just how, how he plans, how he planned on growing this thing and bringing it to the people. And I'm so excited that it didn't die. You know, like um, introduce people, get Kraft Burger, um, introduce, you know, you can get different chicken sandwiches and different things um, from them. Um, they, they do some ghost kitchen stuff. So this is not going to be like a new, a new. They're just walking into chicken, right? We've we've had their fried chicken, which is amazing that they do once a week. So I just think all the things that people can expect. It's not they're they're not jumping on this trend of fried chicken or hot chicken, baby. He's been doing this thing. <laughs> he well, right, and, do, <laughs> and, and you know they're he and his wife are Caribbean. They're yeah. going to do jerk chicken. Correct. So, Correct. You know, I, I, I'm excited about that aspect. I'm, I'm glad that Kraft Burger has come back to downtown. There's, it's not that there's, it's not that there's a lack of burger options downtown. There certainly are, are plenty. And, and, you know, he's going to be right next to a Shake Shack. So that'll, that'll keep you on your toes, but. It, different type of burger, right? To your point. Exactly right. Right. He ain't new to this. Stay true to this. So, I mean, I'm excited. Finn Hall. I know they're overjoyed because they've kind of been, you know, some things that to me, I'm like, uh, now that they're getting it back and Finn Hall is kind of getting their mojo back with these new concepts. I'm happy for them. I'm, well, I'm happy for them. Right. I, I think that's right. It's been a little bit of a trial to get Finn Hall dialed in. Because mm-hmm. right? when it first opened, they had Malasetuan. That didn't last very long. They rebooted in early 2020, right before the pandemic. They brought in uh, Fabin and Lit Chicken, which was a, a chicken concept from the Kitchen 713 guys. You know, obviously they're both gone. It opened with Dish Society. Dish Society's not there anymore. They're on to bigger and better things. So, you know, finding the right mix of, of vendors has been a little bit tricky. But like you said, more and more people are coming back to their offices downtown. More and more residential is opening downtown. And so there is demand. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's it's meaningful that, that Kraft Burger, which had been there and closed, is coming back. Clearly, that means they see opportunity. And so, you know, I, you know, I, I want this to be successful. I, I like, you know, Popolo Mercado is, is there at Finn Hall. Yong, the Korean concept is good. I haven't had, I haven't been in for Pizza Z squared, because uh, you know I have my I have my pizza spots. Pretty you do, but, yes, yes. But but you know that's an important thing to have in a food hall. I think pizza is important to have. So and and of course they have coffee. So I I think you know that all makes sense. Uh, the bento boxes sound fun, right? Different Hawaiian proteins, loco moco, ahi tuna, chicken, different chicken options that. That all looks pretty appealing to me. So, you know, I think, you know, maybe they're, maybe they finally got it figured out. They have a, definitely have a good mix. You know, my, my struggle with, and this is just me, but I know a lot of people are me. Um, it's not the mix. They have the right mix to get me to go support the restaurants, right? But um, I have to be somewhere really close and craving those restaurants because, I just have a, you know, I have a parking thing. I, I have a parking phobia. It's, it, it, I don't want to be stressed out before I get to the food. So um, that's the only thing that keeps me from like going to a fan hall like that. However, I think that they have enough concepts and more than one or two, that has to be more than one or two, that I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm, I'm extra motivated to go. Right, like okay, I'm a park. I'm gonna go do. I can and I can hang out and make it a thing, opposed to because I don't work down there. I don't live down there. Um, so it, it it has to be more. And I think to your point, they have a really good mix right now. So I'm cheering for them. Right, I I think that's right. And admit, I admit, it's been a little bit since my last uh, visit to Finn Hall. There's a little bit of street parking nearby. And I think if you look on the website, they have a deal with a parking garage. So you can kind of 
you know, you walk a block, you can make it work. I know in the summer that's not as appealing, but you know, like you said, cool weather is coming. It'll be a little simpler to make it to Manoa. Yeah. And then topic number three, the Barking Pig, a bar in Lazy Brook Timber Grove, is about to rebrand as Ribeye and Rye, building around the success of their popular steak night and whiskey cocktails. I, I talked to Kristen Powell, who's the owner of the Barking Pig, soon to be Ribeye and Rye, and she said, you know, it's been there since it's been there for seven years. And in that time, there's just a ton of other bars that have opened up right around her, you know, in Shady Acres, especially on 19th and 20th Streets. There's that giant King's Beer House that opened up right near her. And, you know, even on 18th Street, you got Dackenbop, you got some other places. So, you know, there's just a lot of competition in the bar space. And so, you know, pivoting to casual steakhouse, affordable steakhouse, family friendly. You know, she she looks at all the apartments and and townhouses and everything else that's been built around her, and she thinks that's that's the way to go. Uh, and and frankly, I mean, you know, Christian goes back to, you know, she used to own Simone on Sunset. They were known for their steak knife. The Barking Pig has always been known for their steak knife. You know, the woman can cook a steak. You know, right, right. And so, you know, I I think it just makes a certain amount of sense. But but what do you think? I mean, if if you were in a crowded bar district you know, pivoting to casual steakhouse. What do you think? So I have two thoughts on this, you know, like re rebranding. It's always so tough, like, because they have such a good, to your point, they have such a great reputation for what they do. My thing is kind of, can you do the rebrand and do that concept without changing your name? Right? Like, because I'm not crazy. I, I get the I get the pivot. I'm with her on the pivot. Like, you know what? Stay relevant. You offer something that the other bars don't have. So I'm cool with the pivot. Not sure of the name. Like it doesn't it, it makes sense, but I, I don't know if it's it was needed. Like I don't I don't know if that's gonna help. That's that's my thing. Well, I, I think the idea is that it gets you know, there's new signage, there's some new decor, there's a new coat of paint on the outside. And so not that, not that she's trying to trick anybody, but if you're driving past it, if you're, if you're new to the neighborhood or if you, you haven't been there in a while, you see the new signage, you see the new paint, you think, Oh, new name. We haven't been there. In a, like I haven't been there in a while. We should go check that out again. But see, those people aren't going to think new name. See, that's assuming, no, I'm going to drive by and all that's new. And I'm like, oh, new restaurant. I may keep driving. I'm going to check them out. I may do some research. I may come back and check them out. Right? That's the thing I'm saying. Like, every, most people are going to know it's a new brand. Until, it's a rebrand until they get into the concept. Or someone says, oh, no, it's the same thing. Or unless they read Culture Map. And then they got to remember that. Yeah, it's, your brain doesn't work like that. <laughs> so I just think, so I'm thinking about the new brand as it is a rebrand, it's a, a rebrand, but it's a new brand as a regular, I got to go in to find out that you did that. And it's still you. Now I'm happy. Like, oh, okay, cool. And I get more steaks. I get more, I can do more than steak night. Now I'm excited, but I got to get in. I got to be in there to do that. So mm, that, that's why I say I see it, but it's, I hope it goes that way and you know um i hope they're being very proactive with you know um promoting it doing the marketing for people to understand that it's still them no i i, I think that's right and yeah i think i think you're right i think they're gonna have to kind of get out there they're gonna have to you know buy some facebook ads pl you know plug it on mm -hmm. instagram have the influencers in do the whole shebang yeah yeah and push it because I think, because I do think there's a market for this, right? Because, because I like, you know, I like a steakhouse, right? I like the experience of a steakhouse, like the food at a steakhouse. I don't always love paying sixty or seventy dollars for a steak. Right. So if I can get a well cooked choice steak at twenty five or thirty bucks, that's very appealing to me, and and I know I'm not the only one. So right, a good I steak think, night. When you think about a good steak night on any night of the week, makes me happy. Yeah, that's right. 
that's right. So, you know, obviously we'll see, but, but, you know, certainly I think it's, I think it's an intriguing idea and, and I wish them a lot of success at ribeye and rye. Uh, Felice, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. This podcast is brought to you by Green Street. Located in the heart of downtown Houston, Green Street celebrates delicious cuisine, exciting entertainment, and live music, all in a vibrant urban setting. Green Street is the perfect spot for a dinner and drinks before or after a big game downtown. Grab a bite al fresco from on-site restaurants such as Guadalajara del Centro, The Palm, House of Blues, or MS Seafood Steaks and Oysters. Now, I'll have to say, I had the opportunity to visit The Palm which relocated to downtown last year. It's an exciting update to just a classic Houston steakhouse, still with the prime steak, still with the giant lobsters, but in a refreshed and updated atmosphere. If you're not coming for dinner or after dinner, enjoy a drink and live entertainment from Pete's Dueling Piano Bar, or grab your friends and head to 810 Billiards and Bowling for a night of fun. Whatever the occasion, make Green Street your downtown destination of choice. Located at 1201 Fannin Street, go to greenstreetdowntown.com to see a full list of bars, restaurants, and entertainment destinations. That's greenstreetdowntown.com. Police for our Restaurant of the Week, I want to talk to you about Tony's, a certified Houston institution with a 50-year-plus history, as we know... Tony's founder, Tony Valone, passed away in 2020. And earlier this year, Chef Kate McLean, who had worked there for several years, has come back. Uh, she's now both chef and a partner in the restaurant with Tony's widow, Donna Valone. We went there to dine on the Houston Restaurant Week's menu as a guest of Houston Restaurant Week's organizer, Katie Stone. So, Felice, I say all that to say to you, you know, I, I want to talk about the meal of Tony's in a second, but but first, just just kind of spitball with me a little bit. What do you think about Tony's? When when you think about Tony's, what do you think about? You know, I think it is it's so Houston. When you you described it perfectly, it's a Houston institution, and I think that anyone that's new to Houston, please put it on your list. Because it just represents Houston. It's, they haven't updated. We'll talk about that later. But it's like stepping, <laughs> stepping in a time machine a little bit. That They're probably going to hate that. But it is. It's, so for me, as a Houstonian, going there, it's so nostalgic. It's, I just remember being so excited, thinking, oh, my God. And then when I got in there, just, just feeling good, remembering when I was younger and I went with my dad or went for someone's graduation part. You know, it just gave me that feel good. Um, and that's what it represents for a lot of people when they remember the first time they went to Tony's or went, that was their first fine dining experience or, um, you know, so it, it's kind of cool. It's all the things that I, I think about when I think of, when people say, give me 10 things that are so Houston, Tony's is on the list. <laughs> it's on the list. You know, it's funny you say that because we went, as a family growing up in Houston, we went to Tony Valone's other restaurants together, Anthony's, Grotto, La Grolla. Those were all in the rotation at various points. Tony's was not. Tony's was the place where my parents went without us or my father went to, you know, business dinners or, or whatever. So I, you know, I don't have that kind of history with Tony's. I only came to Tony's once I started writing, you know, I got to meet Tony. I've, I've met uh, various Tony chefs over the years, but, but it's just, you know, it's been, so I, I kind of have my own, you know, I have my own relationship with it, but I, you know, there's a part of my like reptile brain instinct that like still thinks of it as kind of, you know, where my dad went, 
And and I think, you know, what we noticed when we went is that, you know, Kate McLean is really trying to to kind of make it feel younger, more exuberant. Mm-hmm. You know, it you know, one of the options on the Houston Restaurant Weeks menus is is $25 per person. She'll come stand, you know, stand on a box next to the table and just shave truffles all over you know, everything like over the table on whatever dish you have at the moment, you know, the whole shebang. Right. She'll make it rain. She'll make it rain in truffles. Okay. Right. (laughs) And then, you know, at the end for dessert, you know, they're, they're taking a page out of the Rasserie 19 book, you know, big cotton candy comes out sparklers. It's, it's a show. And, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Tony's has had a little bit of that has always had some of that theatricality, you know, anyone who's ever seen the salt-crusted snapper come out, you know, it comes out on fire. It's paraded through the dining room. Every head turns. So they've always had that. But but this is like a little a little younger, a little fresher. And I think that's all to the good. I think, I think it mm-hmm. needs that. You know, there's a part of me that would love to see them just renovate that dining room because it just, you know, the decor is so stained right. and so conservative. Right. Well, to your to point, them. it goes with that. What you just said, all the making it younger and fresher, you got to kind of, you can keep the nostalgia of it by freshening it up, right? And to be doing the freshening up of the menu, of, you know, the making it rain, all those things, it all goes together, right? So some of that has to go to the interior as well. It needs to be a full circle moment kind of like oh now we are tony's 2.0 right we're still tony's but we're tony's 2.0 right and then you know we ordered we ordered from the houston restaurant weeks menu i had butternut squash agnolotti i had uh, a fried veal cutlet and then we all got souffles because basically i (laughs) there were nine of us there were nine of us around the table and i said if you if you don't get the souffle at tony's you have ordered the wrong dessert and so I right. basically just bullied everyone into doing, into following my lead. So we all got, so we were nine people with nine individual <laughs> souffles. Poor um, guy. Poor souffle guy. He hated souffle us. Poor souffle guy. Yeah. Poor souffle guy probably hated <laughs> us. But Kate said, no, no, he takes, he takes a lot of pride in his work. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, souffle guy. So let me just ask you, what did you think about what you ate? You know, what did you eat? And, and what did you think about the food compared to some of the other fine dining restaurants that we've been to? You know, whether it's Blue Dorn, whether it's Toro Toro, whether it's uh, some of these other places that you and I have been uh, over the last year or so. So I thought I had the Bronzino um, and it was good. Right. I mean, my souffle was good. Um, and that's it. It was good. It was there was if I'm comparing someone you just listed, comparing it where. If I were going to pick that over uh, Blue Dorn or something, I would not. And not because it wasn't good. That's why it it was just good. If I go to Blue Dorn, I'm going to have, and Blue Dorn's one of my favorites, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get an experience, amazing experience, amazing customer service. The staples, there's staples on the menu that will be there. And then I'm going to get, something fresh and new, right? Like that I can go there or not. Um, And it is fresh. I'm looking around. All the things that we just talked about would look like for a 2.0, Blue Dawn is there. They're there. Um, Toro Toro is there. Um, And I seem to want all those things. I want an experience. I want, um, and at that price point, so now if we're keeping all things equal uh, across the line and put them along the line with the price point, at that price point, I'm going to go for the best experience of all those things as possible. And I may or may not go to Tony's. Tony's is probably going to fall short on that list at good. Right. I, I really enjoyed the pasta. I thought the veal was nicely cooked. The souffle is, you know, the souffle is fantastic. It's it's almost worth going. You, you know, I could I could imagine myself on some sort of progressive dinner that mm-hmm. ends with dessert at Tony's for a souffle. I think that'd be Correct. really fun. 
I think that'd be a really fun way to wrap up an evening. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I agree with like, it just all feels, you know, and, and I know, I know it's a process. Kate's been there since February. You know, it's a big, it's a big ocean liner. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of time to, to steer that ship in a new direction. And I mean, frankly, you know, whatever we say about it, the place was packed, right? We it went was. there on a Tuesday, Tuesday night. night. We went there on a Tuesday night and it, the dining room was full. The bar was bustling. They had private events going on in two of their rooms. So, you know, don't, don't let, you know, don't let me tell you what to do, right? If it's working, keep, keep doing it. But, but I do have this sense that like, it still feels like it, even though I like the food and even though I, I, I recognize what Kate's doing to tweak things, it still feels a little like my dad's restaurant. And, and I don't, and so I don't know what I would do to change it at this point, but, and, and maybe there just isn't like, maybe it just is what it is, but you know, I, I enjoyed it. I think, I think we got, we had a good experience. I think obviously we got some special treatment being there with Katie and everything, but looking around the dining room, they do that for everybody. You know, right. You right. Know, and that anything that we that we had access to was available to anyone who was anybody that was there. Yeah. Yeah. So and to your point, but you just made a valid point to what we're saying. It still feels like your dad's restaurant. And um, you're like, I don't know what they could do to change that. And that and here lies the problem, because even if she they may just for people like us. Right. It may only just be good. Right. It only make it only just be good because then they're done that. And the tweets that we're talking about possibly will bring younger, fresher, a new generation of Tony Steiners. And if they're able to do that, they will be fine. Right. Um, so I will go there kind of like, oh, if I'm invited or if I'm feeling like, oh, let's do a nostalgic. Houston dinner and I'm trying to um you know I just want to feel like you know that nostalgia or introduce someone that's never been yes on a regular would I pick that no so that's the difference for me I'm gonna pick now I'm gonna go to blue door and anytime I can go <laughs> you know like I'm right, like right, right. you know You're I'm right you wouldn't so right if, if if I gave you your choice right it's your birthday we're going to Blue Dorn. If right. someone else, but 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 at the same time, I invited you to come to Tony's with me, and you were like, "Oh, I'm clearing my schedule. I'm 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 absolutely correct, right. right?" So that that's the difference. Like, so it's not bad. It's just in can a restaurant survive on um, their people that know them, that are their older base only coming at those times, special occasions, or all the things we listed. Um, they can't. So they have to bring in new people to balance that mix out. Right. I, and, 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 and obviously they're making some steps in that direction. And, Correct. and I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss it because it, we, we had, you know, we had, we had very tasty food. We had right. a company. We had a memorable experience. Right. It was a great night. Yeah. It was a great night. Right. It was a great night, but you know, it's that, it's that, will you go back? You know, probably not on my own, uh, probably not on my own initiation. Right. But if, right. If Anytime says, soon. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But if somebody says, would you like to come to Tony's with me or we're celebrating my birthday dinner at Tony's? Absolutely. You know, I'm right. A, so, right. you know, it, it's kind of walking that line, but you know, I think, uh, I think Felice, I think we're going to leave it there. So that does it for the restaurant of the week. Felice, thank you very much. Thank you. I can't wait to talk to you next all right, and I will be right back with Jason Wishingrad and David Summit. I am joined this week by two of the people behind the stand, a new restaurant that just opened in the Woodlands. Jason Wishingrad, welcome to the show. How you doing? Great to be on. Thanks for doing this. David Selman, welcome. Thank you. Jason, let me start with you because your father, Murray, established the stand. Maybe, maybe just give us a little bit of background because when I, I first you know, talked to 
talked to you and your dad, you know, I, I had the observation that there's a lot of, you know, kind of fast, casual, diner-inspired, better burger joints out there in the world. So, so maybe just talk a little bit about kind of what the stand is and, and how you set yourself apart within that category. Yeah. So when we started uh, in 2003, it started as an old school kind of diner inspired brand. Sometime around 2009, my dad and I uh, got the idea to change the brand to what it is today, which is American Classics Redefined. And that's pretty much been our moniker ever since. We, we really focus on being almost a casual dining menu, large options, but in a fast casual format. And that's that's how we see ourselves ourselves as a restaurant. We we like to have a, a broad menu that can uh, what we call get rid of the veto vote in the restaurant industry, where you have a lot of different options, a lot of great options. Uh, we focus a lot on quality. Uh, I was talking to you a lot about the local partnerships that we value, and as we go into Texas, a lot of that is about you know being a, a committed to community and being a part of the local community. Um, but the brand at its core is it, it is American classics redefined. It's um, it's a menu that's supposed to be familiar, um, you know, burgers, sandwiches, salads, hot dogs. These are familiar things. These are uh, menu items that a lot of people are accustomed to. But where the stand is creative and unique is we put our own little spin on each of those categories. So, you know, we want it to be approachable enough. To where you can eat it frequently and regularly, but also have enough uniqueness that it's like something that's exciting and, and something that you want to talk about at the end of the day. So, you know, when we kind of changed from an old school diner back in 2003 to this new American Classics redefined uh, menu in 2009, um, I think our customers really gravitated towards it. Uh, and we've been kind of growing with that, that, uh, that idea ever since. Um, maybe just say a little bit more about kind of what the difference is between or what it means to, to serve American classics redefined. Cause, cause you know, I, I was so impressed just, you know, even looking at the burgers, I, I mean, there've got to be like 30 different topping choices, maybe even more. Yeah. So we, and I'm sitting here with David, our culinary director. And what we talk about all the time is like, it starts with the toppings. So you have to have a lot of creative toppings like bacon jam, bacon, tomato jam, stuff that's like really unique and interesting so that you have the ability to kind of customize and work into custom burgers. So, you know, like sauces are yeah. something that we're great at, I think. Yeah. We make, I don't know, 12 sauces from scratch. I mean, more than we probably should. Yeah. <laughs> we, we make a lot of sauces uh, from scratch every day, whether it's like a sweet chili aioli or a green chili aioli or a spicy honey mustard. Spicy honey, I mean, deadly mustard. I mean, we got, yeah. we got three kinds of mustards. We got our, we, we certainly take pride in our, our ranch. Yeah. We get a lot of credit for that, I think. So it's, it's about having like enough creative toppings that you can work into creative items. And then having that focus where you're really focusing on each topping it as, as its own. So if it's like a sweet chili aioli, that's got like 15 ingredients, right? In a sweet chili aioli and making sure that that one ingredient is like completely spot on by itself. And then as long as you do that, like then we start to work towards composing burgers and composing items to make them feel like a composed dish. Yeah. And we also give people the ability to really customize their own options too. It's yeah. definitely one of, uh, one of our strengths and challenges at the same time yeah. is, is customization. Absolutely. We cut back a little bit on some of the, we cut back a bit on some of our custom burger creations so that the customer can actually work their way into, you know, coming up with their own and, and leading with those toppings. Like if we probably wanted to, we could have like 50 burgers, like as our own stand creation. But we try to choose like right now, there's like, we've always had the, the ABC, the onion stack, the big blue. You mean, these are like basic kind yeah. of burgers. And then we will rotate in. Yeah. I mean, a few years ago, we had we had 12 burger options. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've I like to think that we've focused it rather than narrowed it down. And and we've still left the door open for people to 
kind of go whatever uh whatever route they want to take if if you want to go a little off script right essentially you cover the basic cravings right the the abc burger is avocado bacon cheddar right a, a kind of a dressed up bacon cheeseburger big blue is blue cheese with bacon and then the onion stack is basically like a barbecue burger so that covers the you know the basics and then you just sort of turn people loose or like have fun yeah and then you do, you do that and then our our philosophy is each category has like a couple things that are like way kind of a little bit out of left field like a falafel burger is not something you see every day. It's like you, I don't, you might see it now more often, but like when we, I, when we brought it up and, and had one that was like, what, three or four years ago, I don't think many people had a falafel burger on their menu. And that was our, yeah, seen it at like a couple of fine dining restaurants, but not yeah. really in the, the same space that we're in. And that was kind of our idea to like have something that's a vegetarian item. That's also exciting and fun. So like, you know, that would be an example. We're always bringing like an LTO uh, that's creative and fun, whether it's like a burger or something else. But like for burger, for a burger example, like we're bringing back what we call our basically our McRib, which is our our, mm. our, our French onion soup burger. It, we started with it in Texas. It's rolling out everywhere in mid-September at all of our California locations. But that's like a French onion soup burger where we basically make a French onion soup. And then we use that as a dipping sauce, au jus. And then it comes with Gruyere, uh, crispy onion strings. Uh, we're doing red wine, glazed onions and Parmesan crisp, that Parmesan crisp bun. So it's, it's, it's the, fl- the flavor profile of a of French onion soup, but it eats more like a French dip sandwich. Yeah. Ooh. Yes. yes. I like both of those things. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah it's great. David, let me just let me just take a step back with you because I know you you kind of have your own kind of background in the in the food world. So so maybe just talk a little bit about your your path to the stand. Where did you work prior to becoming the culinary director for the stand? Uh, a, a little bit of an unlikely path, I suppose. Um, started in fine dining in New York, uh, and that's where I spent most of my career, um, and sort of gravitated towards a more casual setting uh most recently uh at roberta's in brooklyn so actually started there with the at blanca which is their 13 seat two michelin star fine dining counter um and and then i i ended up taking the role of chef de cuisine for the entire roberta's compound so I oversaw Blanca, the commissary kitchen, pizza kitchens, the uh, main Roberta's kitchen, which does a lot of cool stuff with um, dry aged proteins, pastas, uh, uh, really cool vegetable dishes too. Um, and then I moved back to California, which is my my home state. I grew up in Santa Monica here, and um, and just kind of fell into the stand uh, as these guys were um, selling TLT, another another brand that was involved with the stand. Um, and as part of that, they, they were giving up their culinary guy and I came in and uh, it just, it felt like a really good fit and I've been here ever since. And you know, let me just ask you, because it, it seems you sound like you're overqualified. <laughs> you know, you were you were cooking at a, at a two Michelin star restaurant. You were running uh, operate culinary operations for. You know, just a kind of modern, classic New York restaurant, uh, a fast, casual hamburger comfort food restaurant would seem to be you, you seem overqualified. So so what is it about this restaurant that that it, that's appealed to you so much and, and made it the right uh, choice for your career? Well, I, I think uh, the food forward nature of it is a huge part of that, um, that we, you know, we, we need to keep it accessible, but uh, we can spread our wings a little bit, um, bringing in interesting ingredients and, uh, and, and flavor profiles that some of our clientele might not be so familiar with. 
uh, I think is, is really one of the fun things that we do. Um, you know, fine dining tends to be really on the, the forefront of experimentation and, uh, and, you know, challenging people in terms of flavors and, and textures and, we might not be as challenging, but um, but we definitely dip our toes in the water, and you know I, I think we 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 like to sort of push the envelope a little bit, um, and and get our clientele uh, maybe a little out of their comfort zone. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a big part of the appeal for me. Well, and I you know I think you know, coming from the Los Angeles area, I think that, you know, that falafel burger probably may be familiar to people or, and, and not that I think it's like exotic in Houston necessarily, but I don't think they're used to your style of restaurant serving that dish, right? They, they think of it as more like a Mediterranean restaurant dish and then to have it be good, like not, it's not like, oh, it's the vegetarian option. Don't get that. But like having tried it, like I could, I could easily see myself like going there and ordering it. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's one of my go-tos actually is, is the falafel burger. And, uh, when we're talking about customization too, like that, that burger lettuce wrapped is one of my favorite burgers to, to get in a lettuce wrap. It's just like crunch on crunch. It's super, super crispy. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's funny when we talk ingredients too, cause it's like, we'll get some people that'll come to the register and you know david and i like we will go shop at like 99 ranch or some of these like exotic markets because that's where we kind of get inspiration sometimes and we'll 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 spend the afternoon just i mean we'll spend like hundreds of bucks just buying cool sauces and cool like <laughs> toppings that can be used and then like sometimes our vendors are like what is this or yeah like, yeah or like or like a, a customer's like what's wasabi for a kake i'm like ah well yeah good. we've we yeah we've uh i think since since our yuzu shroom burger uh launched our our clientele has definitely been responding well to yuzu juice even though uh a lot of a lot of our clientele doesn't even know what that is, but once they try it, they seem to like it. Yeah. That was a big, that was a big hit. That burger was a, a big and then, hit. And then we carried yeah. that same, you know, a similar flavor profile into uh, a steak salad that launched after that. So then tell me a little bit about what it's been like to come to Houston, because you know, certainly in terms of their dining scenes, I think LA and, and Houston kind of share that diversity, you know, these diverse array of, immigrant traditions and, you know, all of these great options. So, so what's it been like for you to kind of get to know the city as you've, you've opened this first location in the woodlands? Um, yeah, I, 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 I had a really, uh, really good few trips to Houston, um, had, had some great food there, saw, saw a cool dining scene and, uh, and, a you know, a big part of what I, what I was doing personally was just finding the right partnerships for us. So we're talking bakeries, meat suppliers, broadliner, you name it, like everything, like it's, it, it was setting up an entirely new supply chain and in a way trying to mimic what we're doing here, but also trying to get to know the, the local scene and be respectful of that and, and embrace it. So, you know, not everything is hundred percent the same. And, and I think it's in a lot of cases, uh, you know, for the, for the good, like I, I, I really love our, our, our bakery that we've partnered with their craftsmen. Um, they're making really good buns for us. Like I think their pretzel bun is just bonkers out of this planet. Really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I like vetting all of, all of the new products was a ton of work, but it was really rewarding. And, and I, I feel like the stand in the woodlands is, you know, a little bit of a different footprint, but it, it, it's really a philosophical, uh, uh, 
carry over more than it is uh, like a one-to-one replica. You know, we talked for a long time about, David and I would talk about, you know, it's our first out-of-state restaurant and it's really important to set up the supply chain, but also feel like you have value within the community and you're using, you know, local partnerships, local products. Uh, and so that we took that on as like, you know, David especially took that on as like a special project to really run with and make it our own. So I, I even, think it's always been our philosophy here in Southern California that we, you know, we don't just have like vendors. We have partnerships with companies that we feel like they're growing with us. And I think we wanted to have that same feeling in, in Houston as well. Um, we're, you know, this is, this is the start of something. This isn't just, you know, we're not just buying buns. We're not just buying meat. We're, we're creating, a, a growing business with, with these other, these other partners too. And some of the, some of it was just educating on technique on sort of why we do certain things. I think that is what I don't, it's not as simple as just, okay, this person's local. Here's here's a, here's a meat vendor. It's like, I I actually think that was one of the things that kind of caught like some of the, the meat vendors, uh, off guard a little bit is they were like, I've never spoken to somebody who was so, so passionate and and knowledgeable and specific about what they're looking for. And, (laughs) and it, it, it got them excited. Like it seemed like it kind of lit a fire to, to, you know, strive for, for something, uh, a little more utopic than what what was going on there at the time we still do it here all the time like all well, i mean constantly yeah so like i think it's really important to be like all right here's kind of why we're doing something we've we've had uh, a number of years of kind of with you know the way certain things are packaged and then, then the end product or how something's you know when it when it comes to meat it's like certain flavors that you get and certain packaging where it might create a density or a, a cut size that will yield a different product. I mean, we, yeah, there's so many factors. It's you know, vacuum sealing versus gas flushing, uh, different grind plates. How many times you grind it? Uh, are you aging the meat? What cuts are you aging? What cuts are you putting into it? I mean, there are so many variables. It's there's such a complexity to ground beef that. I mean, it's people like everything, even like people I, don't think about it. I see. You but, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, if you if you want to get into, you know, you want to if you want to get into the the 90th percentile, that's easy. But if you want to get into the ninety nine point nine 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 percentile, that's when you're 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 getting pretty into the weeds. And that's what what we do. Yeah. No, Jason, let me let me just back up just just like a half step. You know, you mentioned that this is the first time the stand is is opened outside of California. How did you sort of come to that decision? How did you how did you settle on the woodlands as as the place that 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 would be where you're where you're doing that? Yeah. So for Texas, for us is is a licensing deal for the stand, and we, you know, obviously my father and I and everybody involved in the company and our, our business partner Andy, we we really covet the brand. Uh, we love what we've created and we wanted, <clears throat> we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, we found uh, a group of individuals that would take it as seriously as we do. And we, we think we found a, a, an amazing licensing partner in, in uh, Texas. Uh, the company is called Triple Tap with uh, Neil Billingsley, and he's got a great team that he's put together uh, to operate the stand. They've been involved every single step of the way as we've even from conception to rolling out in Texas with all the, you know, all the food partnerships we've been involved with and everything we've done to set up the brand out there. So they're, they're locals. They, they live in the Houston area in the greater Houston area. Uh, Neil lives in Houston and, and he picked Woodlands as just a great family community that he thought fit the, uh, he thought fit the brand really well. So, um, you know, it took a long time to sort of get everything set up. The first restaurant in Houston, uh, I wouldn't say was easy. It was a, it was a bit of a long construction. And then 
you know, a lot, a long time to set up all the supply chain and everything. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you're very aware of all the supply chain issues now. So maintaining one's one thing and then setting up a brand new one is entirely its own beast right now. Yeah. But, but the, but their group is, is terrific. Uh, My father and I felt like it was the right uh, partnership to license the brand. And I think them, them being local, uh was was just a great decision to have them uh you know yeah it's important to be part of the community yeah and the woodlands i mean as far as family communities go it really fits where we do the best at the stand i mean our bread and butter we we operate in business complexes we operate in family communities uh we seem our menu hopefully you know has mass appeal um, but obviously, uh, you know, family markets uh, are where I think the stand thrives the most, um, you know, kind of that place that, you know, one person can get this really creative burger and a beer. One person can get something lighter. One person can get, you know, kids can get a, a, a cheap kid's meal and everything's high quality and, and uh, done with care. So in and, and a great service and, and, and get great service. So, yeah, Woodland's just it checked all the boxes and we couldn't be happier with the decision. And it's, it's been great so far. Well, yeah, you, that was what I was just about to ask you, which is, you know, you're, you're a few weeks in, I mean, how do you, how do you feel like it's going? Are you, are you making some headway? Are you seeing return customers, all, all that stuff? We're seeing a lot of return customers for us. We're very cautious when we, when we open a store, we like to uh, make sure, especially with a store like this, we, we like to make sure our service meets the food and the quality. And those two things are very important that they, they merge because we're trying to be an upscale, fast, casual restaurant and trying to deliver service that's on par with casual dining. So one thing that we wanted to do is we've opened stores where we blast out and do like huge grand openings. And it can deteriorate the team. And for us, teamwork is everything. Having a stable, uh, committed team that works well together, that's when you build something that's going to last. And for us, we just started slow. So we're doing in-store dining right now only. I think we'll be launching uh, takeout third-party, sorry, third-party delivery soon, which in California is a big part of our business as well. Uh, You know, companies like, DoorDash, Uber Eats, they're big in any any fast casual company. So that's all rolling out soon. Uh, we'll be rolling out uh, catering soon. So we started slow and we're working our way into it, but I I couldn't be happier. I think we've um, had a lot of repeat, repeat customers. Sorry, we have a fire engine going by. Um, we have a lot of repeat customers and I, right now it's just about, you know, becoming a part of the community and uh, you know, making people happy time and time again. Right. And, and I, I realize this is more of a, a Neil triple tap question than a, maybe a you question, but do you have some sense of, you know, how many locations you'd like to see in Houston or, or maybe kind of what neighborhoods you you've identified for future growth? So I think they like, downtown Houston, greater Houston areas, big focus from a number of locations. I think there's easily, you know, four five, six or more, uh, there. And then, you know, getting a good, you know, getting a good, strong, strong base in Houston to start is the most important thing. We, we, the goal right now is to prove that, that, and, and work as hard as we can to make sure that, that, uh, store number one in the woodlands is bonding with the customer and the community. And then go from there. Um, but yeah, they they have uh, the rights to open up to fifteen, I believe, in Houston. Wow. Okay. And in the greater Texas area, sorry. Sure. Okay. Well, but even still, I mean, that's that's a pretty strong. I mean, you have you have twelve in LA, so fifteen in Texas would be a pretty good start. Yeah. Yep. Great. <laughs> David, maybe offer some suggestions for people who are making their first visit. Uh, you know, obviously we've talked about the burger, we've talked about the falafel, uh, maybe what are, what are maybe two or three other dishes that, that you really love that you'd like people to, to think about when they're coming to the stand? Well, I think I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't bring up the short rib grilled cheese, uh, very popular item, uh, definitely gonna 
gonna put you on a nap after your lunch break if uh if that's what you're doing but um but it is it is absolutely delicious um as mentioned the the falafel burger i think is a little bit of a sleeper uh i really love our our steak salad the uh the sweet sweet pepper and steak salad with the uh, yuzu uh dressing really delicious um the onion stack we talked about as well a little bit very briefly but that's one of my favorites along with the ultimate egg burger um our sweet chili aioli is awesome i mean just get a side of fire fries and some ranch too i think uh that's that's definitely one of my uh one of my go-to items. The Sirdahi tuna salad on a, on the lighter side for me, it's, we we're I'll be honest, we're not the most creative at naming names. <laughs> like we, we have really basic names. I feel like, like, I feel I like just, we used to go a little more out of left field with the names. We had like the Capitan and El Capitan and the business, but, but it, it seems to just work better when they're a little more descriptive of what's actually in the item. But this, the Sirdahi tuna is like a great, like the spicy Thai vinaigrette is, Awesome. All right, yeah, our yeah. dressing on that is, the dressing is really good. Awesome. It's really super strong, light. Yeah. It's kind of like what you want to eat. Do you want to eat light or do you want to eat yeah. heavier? And I think yeah. our menu. I, I, I do. Too. Yeah, I, I do get that item quite quite often. Yeah. Jason, I guess I'll we'll wrap it up here. But but you know, I know, you know, when we were talking, you said, you know, craft beer was a big part of what you do in California. How are you kind of finding that here and and you know, what are some of the local breweries that you, that you're working with right now? Uh, you know, well, so, so that was one of the interesting things about the Houston opening is, uh, is that we're not just doing beer and wine. We're actually going for a, a full liquor license. So we've got, we've got, uh, frozen margaritas. We've got some, some cocktails on the menu. Um, there's like, a, I mean, I'll be honest, Houston is such a large beer scene that like we there's there's some some sleepers on there. I don't even I haven't even got a chance to get around and try all the beers. I'm going back in a week and I'm going to be there. And that's one of the things on the list. But I know like the the, the menu is very local. Um, Neil and his team have done a great job putting together a lot of local breweries. Um, and then one of the things that is really exciting is the fact we are doing craft cocktails. So, uh, we're doing an old fashioned, a mule and a frozen margarita right now that are all really good. So it's very different from the stand. It's not something we we've done ever. So yeah. this is our and, first and, restaurant with, with liquor. And we're planning some expansion to that too. Yeah. There's gotta be boozy milkshakes. You can't. You can't have milkshakes and alcohol without combining them. It it does <laughs> seem like an inevitable uh, pairing, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I think we can come up with some cool boozy milkshake creations. Yeah, yeah, definitely had a few. Yeah. All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Jason, what is your favorite ingredient? Favorite. Lightning. Right now, Yuzu. <laughs> David, how about you? Nothing that popped into my mind, too. Uh, David, what's the first band you ever saw in concert? Oh, what was the first? I feel like it's got to be something at the Hollywood Bowl. I'm not even sure. Jason, how about you? What was the first band you ever saw in concert? Uh, I think the Chili Peppers. I was a huge fan back in the day. Jason, what is your fast food guilty pleasure it has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. With a what? With a drive-thru? Yeah, fast that's how I define fast food. food. Fast food, that's, guilty that's, pleasure. That's the, uh... I mean. Oh, I know what mine is. It's got, I mean, I was born on In-N-Out. I love In-N-Out. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, David, how about you? Uh, I, I've got to go with Taco Bell, but In-N-Out is definitely a close second. And then there's nothing comes close to those two. <laughs> those are the uh, really a, really in the upper echelons for me but guilty pleasure i will say yeah De del taco because i grew up in <laughs> south orange county orange county but there del taco is a is a thing it, and it it was uh I'm, I'm too much of a taco bell loyalist yeah i can't, I can't <laughs> we'll, we'll be divided there yeah this is this is where jason and i 
uh, break on our, our opinions. All right. This podcast airs on a sports talk radio station. So Jason, who is your favorite sports celebrity past or present? Sports celebrity past or present. Your favorite athlete. I'm going to sound like such a, I'm into mountain biking. (laughs) (laughs) No one's going to know who this is. I'm a huge fan of Greg Menard. He's one of the best mountain bikers. You can just say Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, It's like, it could be anybody. How about you? Uh, so I'm, I'm a big formula one nerd. So, uh, (laughs) um, I mean, it's very trendy. Everybody watches that Netflix series. Everybody knows this. Yeah. I mean, the fan base is huge now. Uh, it's, it's wild. It's like, yeah, people just coming out of the woodwork who, who talk about it now. Um, yeah, actually popped up, uh, quite, quite a few times in, on my trips to Houston. Um, yeah, big, big Lewis Hamilton fan. Uh, would love to see uh, Charles Leclerc doing a little better this year, but you know, things happen. <laughs> the Formula, Formula One and mountain biking—we really messed that yeah, lightning round. Yeah. Oh no, no, it's it's all good. It's it's good. Uh, we've had we've had everybody. You'd be surprised. Uh, and then David, finally, when you when you're ordering a pizza, what are your go-to toppings? Oh, I mean pepperoni. I mean, I'm when it comes down to it, I just like it meaty and spicy. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly have a good amount of pizza expertise, but, but, uh, yeah, some nice cup and peps when they, uh, when they, you know, they roast up and, and they, you know, they form the, the little rings and you weren't going to say pineapple. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Bring up a divisive topic here. I, I do love pineapple on a pizza. I'm I'm gonna say it. There we go. I, I mean, there's a place in Houston that does a good one. I'll I'll uh, you you can go uh, you can go to Tiny Champions and check it out and see what you think. Tiny of their, Champions. Their yeah, take on yeah. it. That's the best name ever. For um. All right, Jason. What is your What are your pizza go to? What are, What are your go to topics? Straight pepperoni or straight cheese, all natural, and I'm. Literally, I, I eat pizza way too much. I, I literally probably... I, I can verify that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> There's a place right down the street. It's it's become almost like a meeting place. Yeah. Like, a couple times a week. Who wants All right, well, give us give us the website and the social media for The Stand so people can can follow yeah. up on what you're doing. TheStand.com is the, the website. You can go to TheStand.com to check out all of our stores uh, and locations in any upcoming uh, Texas news. You can go straight to TheStand.menu, check out check out the food, see what we're doing. And at the Stand Restaurants on Instagram, basically across all social at the Stand Restaurants, you can get catch all of our information there. So. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Eric. My pleasure. It's a pleasure. Right. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.